Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we have official news. The media reports of the electric car company Tesla about to release an all-electric motorhome have turned out to be an April Fool's joke. A letdown for all of our listeners who are wanting an all-electric motorhome that you could plug in. And I'm sure that 50 amps would not be enough. <laughs> <laughs> As they she always needs more than 50 amps, but here, this would be an all-all-electric, not well, just... Well, now that I'm living in an all-electric coach, and I'm cooking... This was dubbed the Model H. A converted, to be a converted Airstream. Airstream motorhome were just a joke, although we wonder if Tesla founder Elon Musk was really testing the waters. In that case, don't be surprised if a real Model H emerges at some point, although we'd love to see an all-electric motorhome. With serious solar and lithium battery capabilities, that's no joke. But right now it is. But if you read about this, it was a joke. And now on to the RV Navigator, episode 133 for May 2016. We are still on the road. Oh, we course. have spent the month since we talked to you last. This has been one of the California. longest trips we've ever had. Because we're nowhere near going home yet. Right. So we have spent the month of April in California. You remember last month we were groggy and bleary-eyed as a result of coming back from Patagonia. And we were in Las Vegas. And while I don't think I really knew it at the time, in my mind, we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the National Park System. Oh, of course. I originally had some fantasies of visiting a number of national parks oh, in California yes. that we are not going to get to because they are still closed or almost closed or limited in terms of what you can do by snow. As Midwesterners, we have had some real problems understanding the weather, understanding the climate out here. Well, because in our <sighs> working life, the only time we had time to travel like this was yeah. in the summer. We have vivid memories from 40 years ago going to some of these parks and loving them very much and wanting to see them again. What I'm talking about is yeah. the parks that are part of the, <laughs> the mountains, mountains um, <laughs> in what I would call the central spine of California, that area of where they're hoping they're for a lot of a lot. snow this winter to solve some of the drought problems. And it does seem to have been a better winter. I'm, Back glad, home, I'm glad for them. We thought, well, we'll kind of go from Las Vegas and we'll head over to Yosemite and to Lassen and to some of the really nice Crater Lake, Crater Lake Mono Lake. Right, all these nice places that uh, you hear about and we have visited but uh, a long time ago because we don't get to California very often. So, so here we only, are in Las Vegas. So the only one of those parks plans. we made it to was Sequoia, which is the <laughs> southernmost of the parks in that chain. And even there... Uh, one of the roads was still closed, still closed. Due, due to snow and some of the walking around amidst the giant trees that we did. There was snow still melting underfoot. Um, it wasn't a barrier to us, but that was the only park 
in that central part of California that we visited because of the weather. So this this RV podcast is subtitled Sequoia to Redwood. Because we've had to stay on the coast. Poor us. The coast is a beautiful thing. This has prompted another fantasy for a return trip to California <laughs> some fall, uh, right after Labor Day, when we can revisit the parks that we are being forced to miss this time. It is stunning that some of the roads in Yosemite and other parks that we wanted to visit are literally not open until June. I mean, so it's not like we can just kind of wait around and and uh, wait for the good weather. It's it's months off. So we decided instead to head directly for the coast after Sequoia, and then we will, as she says, come back some other time. <laughs> the other thing that oh, has... What a, what a terrible thing to have to do. The other thing that has surprised me is that when we go to New England, or yeah, New England in particular, I'm used to the roads being tiny and the campgrounds being tiny, and that area of our country Expensive. was developed a lot sooner than the rest of the country. But I have been surprised out here in California how many areas uh, the campgrounds are limited in terms of rigs the size of ours. And in particular, I'm thinking about when we were doing research for Yosemite because we didn't find any campgrounds. Well, I think there were a total of 12 spaces within the park that we could have fit into. And then the next campground outside the park was like a 45-minute drive to the park. So any of you listeners who are more familiar with the West than we are, if you have any suggestions for us on where to camp with a big rig near those national parks that have been in existence for a long time that we visited last in a tent and had no problems at all... Um, where are good places to stay? That's a question that I'm still working on researching. Right. And so we have uh, gone from Sequoia, and we basically headed just for the coast uh, south of San Francisco because we were uh, knowing that the coast would be warm. And it ha- and the weather has been overall very, very nice. Very good. So we made the right decision. We've had uh, mid-70s and sunny most days. And I think the spring is actually a pretty good time to go visit the coast because they talk about summer fog and winter coldness. And so I think we are here in a very nice season. Plus, we've really enjoyed the wildflowers. <laughs> Something I really enjoy. What wildflowers? All the wildflowers we've been seeing. I mean, it's spring and the flowers are popping out all over. The coastline has been stunning with flowers. I think the coastline is stunning all the time. Yeah, but the flowers have to make it really special. And another thing that has been... I'm uh, trying to impress our listeners with my horticultural interests. Well, I don't think you should try to do that. It's a very thin veneer. (laughs) Come for the flowers in the spring. (laughs) Another thing that I think I have learned about this area, being the far more nervous of the two RV navigators, I'm always looking (laughs) at expressways for our drives when we are in the big rig. And the, the things we've been doing and the routes that we've been taking, there were no expressways. And so we have spent a lot of time on winding two lane roads, which has gone just fine. There are a few places on Route 1 on the California coast, which is a beautiful drive. We strongly recommend it where it's very clear that motorhomes are not a good idea. (laughs) And and it was easy to research that and leave the motorhome at the campground and do that with our Jeep. 
But uh, for the most part, we have been avoiding expressways and doing just fine. Well, we haven't exactly been avoiding express expressways, 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 but but that, that's the way to get to where we want to go. So we've been moving right Highway 101. 101 is a little bit interior to Highway the Pacific Coast Highway, Highway One, and but Highway 101 is not exactly your expressway. And we are now in the land of the redwoods, and it goes right through the middle of the redwoods and is two lane. And winding, and as well as many of the desert roads were winding, and when we went to Death Valley, so we have put the motorhome to the test in terms of capabilities of <laughs> climbing the, and twisting, climbing, yeah, and going downhill. It's been really a pleasure to have the two-stage uh, exhaust brake on the diesel. So that's, I don't know, we've done okay so far. And one very important event that has kind of shaped our itinerary this month is the plans of our podcast listener Ah, friends from Australia, who we first met when we were in their country, and they drove two hours from their home (laughs) to Sydney to meet with us. Crazy people. And we've had a nice relationship ever since, as nice as you can when there are 14 time zones between you. A little FaceTime here and there. And they came to the U.S. to do a trip for... Of the north of the eastern coast of right. the U.S., but because it's such a long flight home for them, they wanted to break it up with a few days stay in San Francisco, and that gave us a chance to meet up with them and do some sightseeing in that area, and a chance for us to interview them and let you hear their point of view about traveling in the USA. So they were here for four or five days, and they stayed at a KOA with us. Uh, You know, KOAs frequently have cabin-type arrangements, and we stayed in the very nice KOA with our motorhome, and we were able to have s'mores and to uh, do the sights of San Francisco. We did a bike ride across the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. We went to, to Petaluma. (laughs) <laughs> the itinerary was not set by me. You might guess that. <laughs> and we will leave our listeners to meditate on why we went to Petaluma as one of the highlights of, the of your trip. trip to San Francisco. A two-hour drive from our campground. Ah, uh, yes. And I would say one thing that amazed our friends and us about the particular place where we stayed was that we had no cell phone service and no internet. Here we Welcome are visiting, visiting Silicon Valley and we're totally off the grid. Well, and that's that's really an interesting conundrum because the beautiful coastal areas of California are just plain inaccessible technology-wise. And lightly populated. Uh, lightly populated, and they're mountainous, so technology doesn't really go over mountains very well. And we couldn't get any over-the-air TV. We couldn't get any cell phone service, and the Wi-Fi was Terrible. dismal. So... With that said, we are going to turn it over to our interview. Uh, We could not help but interview our friends from Australia, Sue and Al, and they were very gracious to sit down with us for a few minutes and chat about some of the things that they have observed while they're on their trip in the United States. And as they'll mention, they went from all the way from Florida up to Niagara Falls and New and, York City. Uh, they saw snow for among the first times. Uh, they <laughs> enjoyed that. And then we picked them up at San Francisco Airport and dropped them off at the San Francisco Airport a few days later so that they could head back to Australia. Wow, wow, wow. 
Well, listeners, we are here with our friends from Australia, Sue and Al, who are visiting the United States on an extended trip, six weeks traveling the United States, and they have been all over. And Sue and Al have been listening to us for a long time (laughs) and tracked us down when we were in Australia. So if you go back to a few episodes and listen to those that we made in Australia, you will hear a previous interview we made with them in their country. And we are very, very happy to have them visiting us here in the United States. We are not at home. We are in San Francisco. In a campground. In a campground near you. (laughs) Sue and Al are almost ready to go home. And they are stopping over here in San Francisco uh, prior to getting on a flight to head back to Sydney. And they consented to stop and see us here in San Francisco. And we have spent the last delightful past few days uh, traveling around and uh, getting us reacquainted with San Francisco. And, and oh, you Silicon guys have been Valley in San Francisco too, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And the last time you were here was? Uh, 1999. 1999, and you had your... We had our children. Small children with you. We're now grown adults, so we don't have to bring them along anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Just to update our listeners, uh, you're about... Well, this is a 50th birthday gift for this whole trip. So you're a few years away from retirement, but uh, you're certainly thinking about it. I think we'd like to hear a little bit about uh, first the, the... how this trip came to be, how you travel six weeks in the United States and get that time off. I guess um, extended time off is a little bit of a challenge, but I'll go back a little bit. For my 50th birthday, uh-huh. um, Sue organised a surprise RVing trip to New Zealand. Oh, that's right. So, mm-hmm. RVing trip to New Zealand. <laughs> and that was fantastic. So when it came time for her 50th birthday, uh-huh. I had to win. The pressure was on. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, the, you know, the, my thoughts were to, to go on a cruise Singapore or Hong Kong, because we both like cruising as well. Sure. But we had uh, friends, uh, close friends, move over here for Uh a short period, so we thought, I thought uh, we'd better come and visit them. So that's what that's what started Uh that process, and and I figured that if we're going to come this far, we're going to make the most of it. Sure. And this was a surprise? It was a surprise, yeah. as much he, as he'd possible. Already, he'd even contacted my boss to make sure I oh, could really? have the time yes. off before. And I know you contacted us, yes. letting us yeah. look at the So itinerary. I had no idea. Yeah. And we, every, One of the priorities was to, well, that's to um, come and <laughs> see you imagine. guys. So, sure. Um, you know, we're certainly happy that um, yeah, you this that it worked out. To do that. Worked yeah, out. it was great. And this is a perfect location. I mean, you coming to San Francisco for a few days has really mm, worked out well. It's been nice and restful before we actually fly home. Oh, yes, because this afternoon trip, yeah. we yeah. take you to the airport and mm. you'll be flying off, off to Sydney. Yeah, we miss um, a day. We lose a day on the way So home. tell us where you, you flew to Dallas. We flew to Dallas Sydney. and then a connecting flight to Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, made our way to Fort Lauderdale for um, a cruise. Uh, oh, yeah. Caribbean cruise right um, for seven days on the uh, allure of the seas yes. which is mm. you know, a restful way to begin yes. yes it was it was good from there we um hired a, a car rented a car rented sorry <laughs> we'll try to translate it <laughs> and we've been almost everywhere since then on the east coast on the east coast yeah. right and that's because you did the, the west central coast west with your kids and with your kids yes yeah right. back in 1999 we you know obviously you know as young kids disneyland grand canyon Los Angeles, yeah. Las Vegas, San Francisco. Mm. And this time it was Florida. And all 
all everywhere in between. <laughs> Florida so to New York. To, well, <clears throat> New Orleans. Yeah. Um, yeah, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Yeah. Right. The whole. Yeah. Washington. Washington. Yeah. Greenville. Yeah. A lot yeah. in Pennsylvania. Memphis, yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots a, of a trip, a, a trip that many of our listeners, I'm sure, are uh, done. Are, are envying. Mm. You know, for for mm. six weeks. I hate to ask you if there's a highlight. Yeah, yeah many highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Many course, highlights. Um, obviously, you know, this, this right. past few days is a is yeah. a highlight. Yeah. Seeing Washington mm. um, was a highlight. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many things that we see on television right. at home. That, right. You know that that, that you just for, to for be there. Lives, and, that, and I think our listeners need to they understand mm. that standing mm. in a place where the news is happening mm. is yes, a yes. really special thing when you see it again yourself. Yourself. Yeah. It's mm. it's just yeah. you know standing in the Vatican or or standing standing at the Opera House in Sydney, mm. going over the bridge and going over the Golden Gate. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's one of those yeah, iconic absolutely. things that you have to experience. It's just mm. kind of a moving experience to and see Times it. Times Square with all the glitz. Oh, Times Square, of yeah. course, and. And a Broadway show, Broadway, Broadway show, show. Yeah. and the, the naked cowboy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Did you have your picture taken with him? No. No. Oh, didn't have want to pay, pay the money. <laughs> he had no pockets to put his money. Yeah. In. Oh, he, he, he I think that's the idea. He'll find a spot, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, you, a big highlight for me was um, the Kennedy Space Center. Oh yeah, uh, right. Yeah, another place. A, yeah, you've seen so many rockets and highlight. so much. And mm. as a child, I, I remember um, walking outside at night. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and watching the Apollo 11. Sure, sure. Go, you Speak know, across your over, sky. Yeah, across the sky, yes. Yeah. And, um, and we saw it go past and, and of course, to Australia. see where it lo- got launched from. And even, um, you know, got to touch the, the capsule. That's right, the, that had actually, I mean, that was the real capsule. Mm. That was the real capsule. Right? Yeah, and of course, Australia played a, played a big part on the moon. Yeah, Absolutely. we were partners. With mm. the space, the, the satellite dish. Yeah, yeah with, the, um, with the Parks Radio Telescope was right. um, instrumental in So it was a world, worldwide event. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to show, and uh, that's yes, nice and that we, you And, we, and we've done our best to see <laughs> a lot As of As you saw from our map. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. but it looked like you were starting a second map that, uh, of things you wanted to see in the next time. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm. Mm. We haven't finished yeah. yet. I think we've covered about 15 states. So you hired a car instead of an RV. Mm. But you are RVers at home. And you did an RV when you were in the West with your children. No, no. That, that was no, a car. That was, oh, that was um, car too. New Zealand is a place. New Zealand, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Western Australia. Western Australia, Australia we buy Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's so, difficult to, when you're traveling, particularly if you, you have a... Uh, a large agenda yeah. of things to see to right. do with an RV. Uh, and I, I, I am not surprised at all. Mm. Uh, I would not do Australia with an RV. I don't no. think because the distances are just too far mm. and the expense is just too much. And you yeah. move too slowly in and an RV. Move, I that's think. right. I think so you too. Can, you, if you concentrate your travel to a smaller area, mm-hmm. it's more doable. And you know, RVing is part right. of the experience. You know, uh-huh. you don't have to see a lot. This, right. You know, it's the. It's, it's the thing that's, right, right. that's great. Sitting and by the campfire having some more. Having some more. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. To very go home much and like practice the making those. <laughs> so you think you did it the right way? Well, yeah. I would think yes. so. And I, and I would agree. Yeah. But New Zealand, a lot of people of our listeners would want to go to mm. New Zealand. You would do it in a, in a rental RV. New Zealand is very much set up for... Uh. Um, Rental RVs, uh, as, mm-hmm. as you know, you right, mm-hmm. right there yourself, mm-hmm. and yeah, a more compact size too, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. We, and we um, uh, only restricted our tours to the North Island. Uh-huh. Um, we were there for ten days, I mm. think. It was just enough. Yeah. You know, 
probably like an extra couple of days. Uh-huh. Would have been nice. And so. would you agree that probably Australia is tough to do in, an, in a rental RV? Certainly you had to rent, you had to rent, you own an RV, mm. but you had to rent, rent in, when you in Western West. Australia. Yeah, that was, was in the other side of the country. So. Well, but we're, be in the, like, we're in the other side of the country. Well, we'd flown over for a sporting event for uh-huh, me, yeah. so we incorporated it into uh-huh. a trip. So we hired the RV when we arrived in Perth, mm-hmm. and then did my event and then travelled right. to make, make it more and, of a holiday. And so it's, combined it's a things. long trip. Mm. It is. It would, would have taken us um, almost a week to drive over there. Exactly. Yeah, and not, and not much to, to see in, in the middle. Unlike the United States, which has yeah, things yeah. to More things to do, do in, the in the middle. middle so. Yeah, we have lots of sand and yeah. sand and yeah. sand. Red <laughs> dirt. Um, <laughs> so you have been watching our TV and driving on our roads on the wrong side of the road. And uh, many other things I'm sure have struck you as being different in the United States. And yeah. I think we're always interested in <laughs> how the di- how the differences affect well, the, visitors. The differences, uh, that's all part of the experience. Sure. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's why and, you travel. Um, not, no, in, not, in reality, not, Australia is very, very similar to the United yes. States. We thought so, too. There's small cultural differences, I guess, but um, the differences are... And not much, you know. It's easy to travel here. Right. You almost speak the same language. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do drive on the wrong side of the road, which is a little bit of a challenge. But um, you know, given a day, I think um, of careful being careful. Uh-huh. It's, now it feels natural. And me. I think the same thing for us. We can coming tra- your direction. Right. We can mm. drive on mm. the other side without any real problem. Mm. But I would think that when people hear your accent, that they're kind of thrilled to meet you. Have you found that to be true? Yeah. I mean, they're always. Say, oh, I love your, I love your accent. And, right. Yeah. It is. And they want to hear about your story. Mm, where you've come from. And so have you found Americans to be a friendly group? Very friendly. Very yeah. friendly. Especially. Yeah. Especially Everybody we've encountered has been very, very friendly, very approachable. Yeah. What, what surprised me, um, and I recall this from the last time as well. Was um, you know the listeners might think this is a bit strange, but how courteous <laughs> people are on the roads, really, um, compared to your countrymen. They they're not very tolerant at all sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we've had the occasional honk where yeah. I've um, you know perhaps done something that's not quite yeah. right, but generally it's um, you know they're very forgiving and, and, and law abiding. Yeah, generally it's pretty good. So you know anybody that um, is thinking of uh, driving over here. I'd, uh-huh. You know, I wouldn't hesitate. It's, you know, apart from yeah. the orientation, it's yeah. it's not that difficult. And fueling up. I always found the, the gas stations or the petrol stations confusing overseas, whether it's Europe or Australia. Mm. Well, in, well, how in do a, you use your credit card and, you know, where do you put the... In Australia, generally, we, um, you know, go, drive up to the Bowser. The who? The pump? The, the pump, pump, sorry. <laughs> fuel Bowser. We, go, um, we fill, fill the car and then go inside and uh-huh. pay. And here, uh, you know, I knew about the uh, the credit card at the pump, mm-hmm. um, and that worked for the first couple of times, but most of the time after that, uh-huh. was, yeah, uh, I had to go inside and uh-huh. organise something, you know, prepay. Or, and we almost know. always have to put in our zip code. Yeah. Which you don't have. No, that's no, right. No, no, that's the, only one, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is 90210. So <laughs> <laughs> and that worked three times. Yeah. Did it? Uh, Are you did. kidding me? No. It did work. <laughs> it did work. I thought so, they verified that the, I the thought zip they code did. goes with the card. I thought so, well, too. Our, um, what we call, uh, our codes, only, we only have four numbers in it. Yeah, so. uh-huh. yours yeah. are quite different yeah. from ours. Yeah. Mm. 
So uh, I don't know if they even match them with the cards. Well, we had that problem in Canada yeah. too, mm. where I would have to go in and pay while yeah. you pump. So navigating has been easy. Uh, the navigator has done a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of your freeway interchanges look like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah, but, well, that's true. Um, yeah, the and, and it GPS, can be a challenge. The GPS system's generally been pretty good. Yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned and you were using, and I started to, uh, I've downloaded it and started to use it when we were overseas, a, a very cool app mm. that our Sigic, listeners should yeah. know about. Mm, yeah, Sigic yeah, is uh, Spell it's called it? S-Y-G-I-C. Right. This I- is a very cool app. It is. Well, it's a um, just a turn-by-turn GPS application that yeah. it actually uses TomTom data for yeah. the maps. But it's and free. The, the maps are free, and it's usable worldwide. The maps are an in-app purchase. Well, I got mine for free. You did? You're very lucky. <laughs> well, maybe it was because I was in Peru or in, uh, where was I, Argentina. Yeah, that's maybe. when you did it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe because that's where you were, that might have been what that area might have been free. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. I don't know. but the, anyway, I, I it, it's it. much less than buying a hard, hardware yeah. GPS, yeah. and certainly it's hard to buy one that has maps for any yeah, place. And you, and you, in our case, I mean, I just mm. thought about oh, the, I need, a, I would like to, G, I would like a GPS, and yeah. so I downloaded the app at your recommendation and downloaded the maps, and I was our bus. I mean, I was able to follow it mm. and. We were able to download um, state by state, so we didn't have to do the whole country. So Uh at some points we were navigating and we'd be going into a state that I hadn't applied to my device, so there'd be nothing. There'd Uh be a state but no roads. The roads would all just end. Uh Uh Um, So I would have to then download that map. Um, so we could continue, I can continue navigating on my device, but I'll just change to Elle's device and it would be all right. So you use no cell data for this? Just no, no, that's the other, that's right. the other cool GPS. thing is you don't need to be connected online no. for this app to work. So if you need a GPS that is worldwide and has maps that you can download, and mm. for me, the in-app purchases were things like voice navigation. I think um, it, it, did, it did say that. When I, when I purchased it, it was I think the voice navigation came... Was uh-huh. included. Um, I wonder if the Australian version is different than in-app my version. purchases for the maps, um, and, huh. and you could do individual maps for individual countries, but they yeah. had a special on the world maps. I think it's around fifty dollars or something yeah. like that. So I just bought the world maps. Uh-huh. They had a couple of other features I can't recall, but um, you know, hopefully, right, I'll be able to use this forever. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> listeners, of course, I'll put the link to this on the website. But it's a very cool map app that doesn't require. Cell data. No. It works any place in the world. And you so. don't have to rent a GPS when you rent the car. Exactly. You mm. can use your phone. And these days, the phones have big enough screens and stuff. Do you have any reason to believe that the maps are good? Like when we were in Mexico, we had some maps, but I would not have wanted to rely on them. Well, the only place I've used it is very remote locations and, in Patagonia. Oh. <laughs> and it was good there. It was amazing. I mean, it had the maps of the national park and the places where we were. I mean, I I was stunned. And I stunned everybody in the the bus when I showed them. Where they were. Where they were. And I was able to show the guide because they didn't have a GPS. Oh, really? Well, they were. They just knew. They do this every day. So they didn't need this. But, I mean, they were pretty amazed that my That you were keeping an eye on them? (laughs) Whatever I was I I don't think we found any inaccuracies, really. No. No, it was was very up to date. Yeah. yeah. So that's and I would think you need to update it every so often. Yeah, but you can probably it, update. Well, it does it um, by yeah. app updates. So uh, you didn't uh-huh. rent a GPS in the car? Uh, because I Because that this. could be expensive, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It all adds up, especially yeah. for a long trip like yeah. you had. We used this app in New Zealand um, uh-huh. on that RVing holiday and had you know was no problem there no too. problems with that, so I didn't have any issues with, with using it here. So navigation was easy mm. <laughs> <laughs> in all the miles that you drove. No no tickets or... or uh, wow. Probably one fine because Ooh. I missed a toll booth. Ooh. Well, that's a minor yeah, issue. Yeah, that may get... How about finding accommodation? Um, Generally pretty good. Yeah, we used, well, I used booking.com. So you did that on the fly? Yeah, just on the fly. Or if we were, you know, couldn't find anything or were getting tired, we'd just, one of the interchanges of the freeways, we'd just see what motels were there and just call in and see if they had anything available. So it was pretty much. And and reasonably priced? Yeah. Because a trip like this could get to be really expensive, I would think. It can, it can. And, um, you know, it pays to ask if they have any discounts Uh available. And, Mm. uh, you know, we're members of the, NRMA in Australia, which uh-huh. is affiliated with the AAA, uh-huh. so I got discounts with that sometimes. I got some, uh, uh, you know, retired military discounts, uh-huh. which were quite good sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, you know, it just doesn't hurt to ask, and, and sometimes I think they they're just looking to give you a discount. You know, if you say the right word, they'll give sure. it to you. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they don't care. So tourism in this in the major cities, Washington. It's so well set up. It's, you know, you use the ho-ho buses? Yeah, we yeah. did a lot of hop-on, hop-off yeah. um, tours in uh, Savannah. In Savannah, too. Uh, yeah, um, Washington, um, and we got a two-day ticket, so we could go and travel uh-huh. around the first day and listen uh-huh. to the commentary and the history, and then the next day we went back and actually visited uh-huh. some of the sites. That, mm. And that, usually they included a night tour, which we found that was really good for photography. And, and, and uh, water tours and other yeah, things, yeah, too. Yeah, so yeah. the, the yeah. ho-hos are a pretty good deal and are available yeah, and virtually worldwide. Because yeah. New oh, York, yeah. we did a, we, I think we got a four-day ticket, uh-huh. which included a night tour and a, a, harbor, a river cruise, so we could see the Statue of Liberty from uh-huh. the water and got some quite good shots. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And of course, they stop at all the major attractions, so mm, if you, would want, if to you anyway. want to do a complete tour, you can. Uh, you just need the time to do it. And, and they're, they're available to um, give you advice if you need uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And did you have to take transportation to get to the Ho-Ho? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we, we, tried, we to, yeah. tried to locate ourselves uh-huh. as close to the, uh-huh. you know, the, the route the, as possible. Yeah, yeah that's mm. important. You found some of the people interesting in uh, the South? Um, interesting in in the sense that they're very polite, uh-huh. very polite. You know, everybody, you know, the, the adults, the children, uh-huh. um, uh, sir, ma'am, it was a pleasure to talk to those people. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the brusque New Yorkers? Um, yes. <laughs> Can you hear the difference in accents? Between New York Between and the New South? York. You hear the, yeah, absolutely. You, hear, you know a Boston accent? Yes. 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 Because it's interesting because we talk to many English-speaking foreigners, and of course you're English-speaking mm. automatically, but who don't speak English as, a, as their native tongue, and they can often not hear the English accents, the various the variations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. accents that we yeah. – yeah, that are so obvious to us. variations, but I wouldn't know where they were from, yeah. but I've noticed yeah. some just slight differences uh-huh. in, uh-huh. The, in the accents. Yeah. In Australia, I mean, there are – Different accents. I yeah. guess people in the country tend to talk a little bit slower, but that's only because they're in the country, <laughs> I guess. But, um, but generally, it's you know fairly uniform across the country. Uh-huh. Um, Although we did have someone pick that you you were raised in Melbourne because of your accent being oh, slightly really? different to uh, mine, apparently. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. So yeah, yeah, I would not. Hear I, that. I just wonder if that was a bit of a, yeah, a, a tourist trick. Maybe or not. a tourist <laughs> trick. A good guess. <laughs> a good guess. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. 
Were there any foods that were a surprise or interesting in the various parts of the country, or is it pretty much the same all over as far as you've experienced? Uh, I guess every region has their specialties. um, I know you had a Philly cheesesteak when you went to Philadelphia. And ribs in the south. Yeah, Yeah, we had ribs. You've got to try that. I I, I love ribs. And fried. And we had gumbo in New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. Yeah. But uh, generally, I think um, everything's available everywhere. Uh Um, Hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, we could get anywhere. Yeah. 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 And generally affordable. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Shopping centres are um, quite amazing. Uh, We we do have some big ones. You have a lot of strip malls. Yes. Which we don't have that many Uh of. um, Yeah, some of those stores are, uh, yeah, impressive. Impressive. the fact that you have... I guess um, hot food available to purchase in some of your supermarkets that you can then purchase and sit down and eat while you uh-huh. we don't have that uh-huh. prepared foods. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's nice for a tourist. Yeah, yeah so very nice. and probably cheaper than a restaurant too. And when yeah. we were in when we were in Cornwall last year, we had great prepared. Well, we took it back to the room and heated it. Yeah. But yeah. it was well, this a one prepared was meal. Purchase hot. Uh, so yeah, there was yeah, yeah. Yeah, a couple of Four different chains that had, mm-hmm. and you just filled the box and it was by weight, and you could just sit down. They often have tables and chairs yeah, and yeah. sit down and eat it yeah. while yeah. you're there yeah. Yeah. shopping. And yeah. one had a wine dispenser too. One did have a wine dispenser. <laughs> 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 yes, that was, uh, yeah, you buy the $5 card and put it in the machine and. Yeah. Push which wine you want. Mm, really? It fills your cups. So. Where was What kind of a store was that? Uh, was it Publix or... Oh, uh, just a regular grocery store. Yeah, just yeah, a regular yeah. grocery uh-huh. store uh-huh. that had a... Um, might have even been an Ingalls. I'm not sure. I can't Ingles. recall. I don't know. So many different brands, like chains of... Um, Supermarket, yeah, grocery store, especially regionally. Yeah, mm. and of course, every time you shopped, you had to deal with tax, which you don't have to yeah. deal with at home. Yeah. Yes, our um, prices, uh, shelf prices, include everything. You know, so if, if you buy something that's uh, you know three dollars, that's what you that's pay. What the you tax pay. is included. Mm. And another challenge, I guess, was the tipping. Yeah, that we don't have in Australia generally. Because your people are paid a living wage and, mm. that, and that includes what we have to add as a tip. Yeah. That should right. be a good idea. Yeah, a yeah. great idea. Yeah. It, it does make it confusing, I guess. But yeah, we soon get with a swing of it. <laughs> but I've read where tourists who are not well informed come here and think someone is trying to rip them off when they keep adding right. things to the price. Yeah. So you have to know how that works. Yeah. Well, that's that's all part of travel is to yeah. try and be informed. And, yeah. you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So the scene we have here... Is that we are literally on the Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1 in California, mm-hmm. and we are just south of San Francisco uh, by what's <laughs> turned out to be quite a long time, quite a long distance, <coughs> because we have these mountains between us and the major and the major city. But this is a very beautiful spot, and we picked it because not only is it a nice camping spot, but it has uh, nice accommodations. accommodations. For Sue and Al to stay in. So this, though, is a fairly typical camping experience. Is Ooh. this typical for you? Or, and where would we find something like this in Australia? Pretty much uh-huh. around the country, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, this is a very nice park. Uh-huh. Um, some it, of ours are yeah, not is. so it nice. Is. But it is. Well, yeah. Know, we, we have a, you know, a wide variety of, uh, of different parks, you know, in bush settings, in you mm-hmm. know, maybe in the middle of a town, for instance, or... Um, but this is... Yeah, we do this have is coastal ones. Yeah, the many... Yeah. Sites wouldn't be as big because we don't have as many big rigs uh-huh. driving around uh-huh. Australia as, ours. as uh-huh. RVs. Yeah. So a typical rig in, in Australia would be... The, the most common would be um, what we call caravans, yeah, travel trailers. Um, they're by far the most common. Motorhomes, the, the smaller Class C, uh-huh. 
uh, sprinter type. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're fairly common as well. And that's what you could rent if you wanted to. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sort of um, size. Uh, we do have uh, uh, larger motorhomes uh-huh. and um, either either purpose built um, in Australia uh-huh. or imported from the US uh-huh. or converted coaches. Where it's definitely not as well set up as here mm-hmm. for. Um, for that. And do you have a, a coastal area where we could go camping like this? Many. 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 So that's Everybody's famous. on the coast. Everybody's on so the we, coast. We live on the east coast, which, yeah. um, you know, you can, there's a myriad of, um, you know, camping spots along the coast uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. So definitely possible. Am I remembering that some of your campgrounds had sites that were ensuite? The ensuite yeah. sites, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. means? Which means you can park your caravan or motorhome. On the site, and then you have a separate um, toilet shower block. Toilet uh-huh. shower block, just yes. individual, just, just, just for just you. For you. Uh-huh. It's alongside your your rig, and that's nice because your caravans are probably not as fitted out with things as ours. So well, then you have it all. The I facilities are right there. Mm. That's right. Ours use. does not have a toilet and shower room. Right. We'll rectify that in the next. <laughs> the next round. In the next round. <laughs> but uh, and many of them though that are made now. Um, do have toilets and showers because yeah. everybody wants them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, maybe the ensuite um, sites are was a compromise. Not as you know, won't be as popular in the future. But you know, my parents, for instance, whenever they went, they tried to book one of those because it was yeah. much good. If you're travelling with children, yeah, because your, your amenities are close or right by. there. Yeah. yeah, so you don't yeah. have to worry about them traipsing through campgrounds, if, right? Especially yeah. at night, if yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you've had to do here. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. It's a, it's glamping. glamping. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's less than glamping. <laughs> it has been a real pleasure having you visit. And he wants to say something. Oh, sorry. I just want to um, have a, a little bit of a word to your listeners, okay. or to our fellow listeners, that if you're ever in a, a campground near us, near <laughs> near the RV navigators, do yourself a favour and uh, and go and say good day. Yeah, they're lovely people. They've been uh, so generous and hospitable oh, to us. It's been fantastic. <laughs> and we, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll welcome you. With open we arms. always, we always try to. I tell you, it's it's been an, a real experience, and you tracking us down has been a highlight of our our RVing experience. I think, and we're sorry to see you go. But oh, uh, we we're sorry to go. We're living with mixed feelings. Yes, like I'm, said, sure, yeah. I'm sure. I'm we'll, sure. And we hope to uh, to get together again in the not too distant future. So we will end it there and say, uh, well, dear listeners, keep listening, and we will be talking again. Bye now. Well, wasn't that a nice interview? I love listening to them speak <laughs> I and, love it, yes. and thinking about how they say things compared to how I would say things. Yes, we had many interesting fun. discussions about that. So uh, that took up a few days while we were uh, in, this, in the San Francisco area, and then we had the thrill of driving across the Golden Gate Bridge with the motorhome. Well, that's through, a six lanes through downtown San Francisco before you down, even got on, on Route the One. We just headed up there and did it, and it turned out okay. I was a little nervous, but six lanes, uh, and they were narrow lanes, but we did go across in the free direction, so we didn't have to pay. No more scratches on the motorhome. Uh, just a few from trees and things. So now. <laughs> We are headed north to Oregon and Washington, and the culmination of this six-month adventure for us is going to be next month. You will hear us talking about, uh, we hope anyway, talking about our trip to Vancouver Island. So That's the plan in one, anyway. <laughs> in one 12-month period, we will have been to Labrador, 
which is on the far, far east coast of Canada. Canada. And we will have been to Vancouver Island, which is on the far, far west coast. So we are uh, putting our motorhome to good use as we travel down the road. So uh, some of the topics that we wanted to talk about today, uh, in addition to the itinerary business. And once again, even in Oregon, we're not going to be able to go to Mount Hood. We're not going to be able to go to Mount Rainier, Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, Mount St. Helens all of these parks. We're going to Crater Lake. We're going to have to miss snow, snow, snow. It's just too bad that we have to come back. What a shame. <laughs> So one of the questions I bring up is, to KOA or not to KOA? We generally avoid KOAs because it feels like they are expensive for, we would end up paying for a lot of things that we would not be using because we're not a young family. And they have a lot of activities and crafts and stuff to play with that we just don't use. But on the other hand, they usually have consistently good connections. So you can have your 50 amp. And usually they have uh, their nice campsites. And we bought the KOA discount card card this time. So we get a 10% discount at KOA. Because we wanted to stay at the one by San Francisco. Yeah, but we have uh, unexpectedly used it several times. Well, now that we have the card. Yeah. But because it's been a good choice and it's been reasonably priced. I don't know whether KOA is expanding or not, but it seems like there are more KOAs around and that they have become more competitive to me. Or maybe we're I mean, noticing we, them more because we have them. We have the rig. card. Because in my oh. campground book, which I use less and less, but I do still look at it, they're uh-huh. often not even listed because they have their own book. Uh-huh. They're so not listed? So often. Not uh-huh. always, but often. Well, it just seems to me like for some reason this year we have used quite a few KOAs and they've been reasonably priced and good deals. So maybe KOA is coming back. I don't know. KOA has increase their marketing footprint quite a lot, it seems. Well, and of course, it depends where you are. Generally, we have found California expensive, which is what you expect when you come to California. And so the KOAs here have been pricey, as they always have been. (laughs) It's all the campgrounds are in in, in this area. Yeah, Yeah. California has been expensive. So we're looking forward to heading to some of the cheaper areas of the United States. Several of you have asked me about my manual macerator sewer system. Remember what this is. I've mentioned it a couple times, but I hadn't had much experience with it until recently. I think you bought it for Christmas. Yeah, I did. And I didn't use it for the fuse because it was cold. And So now I've got it in full operation and I've used it many times. And You're happy. Yeah, it's surprising to me. I can't imagine why. I've never used a mechanical macerator, one that hooks up to the 12-volt and has a, a pump that actually pumps the, the water out. And it's prone, I don't know, it's prone to a lot of mechanical issues. So the one I have uses water pressure to macerate the stuff in your black tank. And that it uses water pressure and a nozzle to spray into the tube and it breaks things up and sends it down a three-quarter inch garden hose for all practical purposes. And I've been surprised at how well it works. But is it because you're also using the Happy Camper to... Well, I don't know, but I mean, the stuff comes out and this thing macerates it, breaks it up, all all the stuff, and so it goes through the the three-quarter inch tube, and it has no real mechanical parts. I mean, you hook a hose up to this thing, and you just let it spray, and the water 
<laughs> the liquid comes out and goes down the drain and drains out. And then the gray tank, of course, you just leave it open, the gray tank, just like always, and it just sprays down, it just goes down without any sort of assistance. So you haven't used the 3-inch sewer hose at no. all since you've got it going? No, and I, but I have this 3-inch saved so that I can use it at a dump station because this would be fairly slow. It does take me a fair amount of time to dump, but who cares? Just does when you're thing. on a site yeah, we're, we're on a, sewer. a sewer site, we just... And because we only do the black tank dump once a week or so, that's you can easily plan for. And walk away and leave it. Uh, yeah, and there's no danger to walking away. Whereas the ones that are electric, you I don't know. They just Seems have like a lot of mechanical. Have with them. Well, I don't know why you'd want the mechanical one because this does the job. And I'm surprised at how everything is comes out in kind of a slurry. <laughs> this for those of you, TMI. I, I, I should, I, <laughs> Let's talk about poop. Uh, for those of you who uh, were asking me, I did have to buy a, an extension. So I have an elbow and then an extension to get it below the level uh, of the the floor in our in the in the bay. So uh, once I I got it below the bay, though it were, it connects up very easily. So I have I had to buy like a six inch extension, and of course the six inch extension is clear. So when the stuff comes out, you can see everything coming out. That's <laughs> so why I you're so well informed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my. <laughs> so uh, you, as you know, we use uh, Happy Camper, and Happy Camper is, is a brand name of emulsifier that put you put in the toilet, and it. I emulsifies the stuff that's in there, and I've been amazed at how the stuff comes out as just kind of a brown slurry. And you're more involved in this operation than I am, but I never smell any bad smells. Yeah. So the combination of the sewer system, the macerator system, and and I bought two hoses, one that's 25 feet and one that's 10. And right now I'm using the 10-footer, and that works out fine. So uh, I can't imagine why you'd want a mechanical one. Well, because people with the double bathrooms get them that way from the manufacturer, Well, if it comes from the manufacturer that way. Yeah, well, they needed to get it... To move it farther than we yeah, did? Yeah, to move it farther. Uh-huh. But this will pump, because it sprays into the hose, it apparently will move it. And I don't necessarily have the hose flat. I mean, it moves it around and comes out fine. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed so your Christmas you present to yourself. You might want to consider using uh, Happy Camper as a emulsifier for your toilet and you might want to consider looking at one of these things because it's quite a lot smaller than your three inch hose but you probably need a three inch hose at some point to dump into a dump station i've been a big fan of the collapsible hoses the ones that you the 1995 ones that they're light they're they light don't take up any room. i use them for wash i don't use it for the motorhome but I use it for washing the car and for when I need extra water someplace to do something. You know, these 50-foot ones that collapse down to nothing and weigh almost nothing. It's a nice way to have an extension for uh, doing other things. And I like them at home for yard work where I, I have yes. a long distance to They're a little expensive at 20 bucks a shot, but they are nice. And <laughs> we bought a couple of more expensive ones, which in retrospect, was kind of a mistake because one of the things that I found out happens is that if you have higher than normal water pressure, it, it blows blow them up. 
<laughs> so, so two of them the, died in one day. Two of them died in one day. I had one I was using, and then I had a spare, and voila, they are both gone. Because when I hooked them up to the... I, and, you know, that didn't even occur to me at the time. I was just really ticked off that I spent a lot of money on a hose, and then it... It didn't last. It didn't last. Now that I think about it, it was probably because of the water pressure. So, uh, more religiously, I've been using a water regulator. For your sole remaining hose? <laughs> for my... Well, no, I have a spare now. Oh, good. You might want to You might want to consider one of these hoses, and if you do, you might want to consider uh, putting a water pressure regulator on it so it doesn't blow up. <laughs> Because I was amazed. I mean, in the first 10 minutes I was using it, it just blew up and was leaking. Now, what does that tell you? That I'm not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't expecting it. I was not expecting it. Okay. Shall we talk a little bit about Internet security? Uh, I have here, in front of me, right now. A little square plastic thingy. That's white. It has a fan. It has a place to put in a USB? No. Yes. E- and Ethernet. Oh, yes, and Ethernet. She recognizes Ethernet. Mm-hmm. Actually, it has two USB. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a device. They always talk about Wi-Fi security and that you shouldn't use campground uh, Wi-Fi because it's not secure. And, and if you're on the and, road as long as we yeah. are, you have to pay your bills sometime. Yeah, you got to do that sort of stuff. And how do you secure your Wi-Fi? Well, there are a couple of ways of doing it. Um, I'm going to talk about these, I think, on different times. But right now, we are using the little hardware firewall. And that's its name. And that's so small you could take it on a suitcase trip? Oh, yeah. I, yes, I did take it on a suitcase trip. But due to circumstances beyond my control, I couldn't use it. What this does is provides you with VPN service no matter where you are on Wi-Fi or even hardware. And you're asking? What is VPN? <laughs> Something I didn't want to talk to you about. <laughs> Virtual private network, VPN. VPNs are widely known and widely used in order to provide a, sec- a secure connection to the Internet. And... They work very well. Unfortunately, most VPNs you have to conf- you you buy this VPN service and then you have to configure each of your devices for the VPN. So that would mean that the navigator would have to have her computer, her iPad, and her phone configured for the VPN. Do I only do that once, or do I have to do it every time we move? Uh, you would do it. Once, but you'd have to refer back to it in order to reuse it if you connect it to something else. (laughs) Can I hear that again, please? (laughs) (laughs) And so um, the head RV navigator has avoided VPN service for his wife because... He didn't want to deal with it. Well, in all honesty, <laughs> she didn't want to deal with it. In all honesty, it's a pain in the butt for me too <laughs> to have to configure all these devices. And so, uh, I have known we have been insecure, unsecured, and I have realized that. But I didn't really have a viable solution to giving us a more secure connection. But now, ladies and gentlemen, I have found the tiny hardware router, which provides. The same sort of Wi-Fi extension service that we've gotten with the Rogue, the Wi-Fi Rogue, 
and it then provides the VPN service from this little router. Now, it seems like the last few campgrounds, the Rogue has not worked as well. Yeah, well Is that because of this? No. Okay. <laughs> it's because the campground Wi-Fi. And, of course, this is all offset by the fact that you, you have to have good Wi-Fi service. To begin with. To begin with. And we don't use it with the satellite because the satellite is ours, ours anyway. And we don't use it with cell because the cell is it's going through AT&T or Verizon or somebody. So, But this is for campground, wa- Wi-Fi. <coughs> campground Wi-Fi service, which, or I should say Starbucks or any Panera place, that you, or, Panera or wherever you want to go. This device is about three inches square. I mean, it's very, very small, small, easily put in your pocket, size. M- smaller than an iPhone. So you can easily take it with you. And what this does is it picks up Wi-Fi from the service, and it rebroadcasts Wi-Fi that's secure. And it then connects to the VPN servers and gives you absolute security between the device and the VPN servers, but it provides all the necessary connections. So you don't have to do any reconfiguration. You just have to log on to this Wi-Fi, and it then will provide the security. And now she's asking questions. Well, the last time we were at Panera, we didn't use this, did we? No. Because? I didn't have it with me. Okay. And I don't always know when we're going to use it, so I haven't always used it. I'm thinking about you. Seems like a good idea. Well, especially if you're doing secure things, if you're just banking doing or something. banking, if you're just doing email or something. But this will provide you with VPN. And VPN, a virtual private network, is a common term that you can use, but you have to have an account. So the the deal with this is, is, is that it will provide VPN service for up to five devices. So you can log on five devices so at any given moment so all of them are then going through the VPN but they don't have to be reconfigured you just log on to the what, what looks like just a standard Wi-Fi but it's actually VPN service because it's hardware you also get better connectivity her mind is wandering <laughs> I know I have nothing to say about this you have nothing to say but you should be interested to know what what's going on i'm very interested so i'm i connect this up to the rogue i replace the wi-fi router that i have with the rogue because this has ethernet connections on it so that when the rogue connects up it will then you be using the vpn so when we have to, decent wi-fi, wifi service so i still have to configure all my equipment. no oh. no you just log on to this oh just like you would with any, you know, it just shows up in your, the SSID is just visible. One in your, of the internet choices. One of the internet choices. And then you log on <laughs> with, you know, our, our standard sort of password system, but you don't have to do any extra configuration. Wonderful. So that's the tiny Wi-Fi router or hardware firewall, which, of course, you will find links to on the, the RV show Navigator notes. show notes webpage. Al, our Australian friend, also put me on to it. A magazine that you can get through uh, the internet, and it's free. And it's free, and it's an it's an RV magazine called I Motorhome, and it is motorhoming from an uh, Australian point of view. So you might want to take a look at that. That's iMotorhome.com, and it's an e-magazine. I'm not even sure it's printed. That's interesting. I don't even know if it's printed, but I've read a couple of issues, and I enjoy reading about the differences between caravanning and motorhoming. You used to read a bunch of yeah. motorhome magazines from Britain. Right. But they weren't free. 
they were not free, and I've kind of gotten away from that, and now I'm going to go back to reading something from overseas that's in English that I can read. The KOA releases the night the 2016 Camper Report. I thought I found this to be quite interesting. More than one million households in North America started camping last year, and that's really a nice statistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, talk about growth. Of these new campers, 18% were our African American, 11% are Hispanic, and 44% are millennials. Millennials, I would s- young people, <coughs> uh. like our nieces, <laughs> not you. That's according to the 2016 North American Camping Report done by KOA. The research findings suggest that not only is there an increase in the African American, Hispanic, and Asian American representation overall, but among new campers for 2015, representation closely matches overall population figures, indicating that this new generation of campers is truly multicultural. African-American and Hispanic campers are not only camping more than ever before, but they are enthusiastic about the benefits, stating that it allows them to spend more time with friends and family and reduce the costs of, and reduce stress, and they, it allows them to be more physically active. What's more, the research suggests that there is a flattening among the millennials where many of the differences observed between ethnic groups are much less pronounced than among those younger campers. And this full report is uh, in the show notes if you'd like to read it. It's quite interesting, I thought. And it talks about technology use. Well, just as we are always complaining about the Wi-Fi at campgrounds, this is a concern for people new to camping as well. So the report talks about how many of them bring their cell phones with them and stay connected and and feel a little more free about leaving work um, to take a holiday because they can stay online and stay in touch and keep the boss happy. The adage that people should use camping as an opportunity to disconnect from technology is not holding true, researchers discovered. Using technology while camping, including mobile phones and internet, is becoming more common. In fact, is allowing people to spend more time camping and enjoying the the outdoors every year. So, technology is allowing them. Would we camp as much if we didn't have the technology? No, probably. We not. get frustrated the way it is. A majority of campers, eighty-eight percent, bring their mobile phones with them when camping. Well, that's obvious. Wi-Fi continues to rank as a top campground amenity, and experience and expectations for free Wi-Fi are dramatically impacting campground selection. I would say I'm searching my memory bank, except for state facilities, that we haven't been in a campground for a long time that didn't at least purportedly offer (laughs) Wi-Fi. I mean, everybody recognizes the need for it. It's the quality of it that's still very uneven. 76% of campers go online while camping, and those who do so to check send emails 41% send an average of 3 spend an average of 3 additional days per year camping when compared to those who do not. So they spend more time in the outdoors when they're when they're online. When they're online. <laughs> <laughs> To use technology while camping is most common among millennials and non-white campers. And for non-white North Americans who are new to camping, technology may be expanding resources and access to information about the outdoors. Campers are increasingly using the Internet to look up information on local attractions. Well, duh. What's one of our favorite websites? TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor and RV Park Reviews for where to stay. RV Park Reviews, yeah, so... 
that's got to be pretty obvious. Millennial campers are by far, in a way, the most likely to say they plan to camp more in 2016. Fifty-eight percent of millennials. Wow, that's impressive. Compared to forty-six percent of Gen Xers, and thirty-five percent of baby boomers, and thirty percent of quote-unquote mature campers. Oh, <laughs> we're baby boomers. We're or, not mature. Or are we mature campers? We're, not, we're baby boomers. <laughs> the categories they come up with are always interesting to us. According to these younger campers, spending time with friends and family is, and the desire to explore new areas. An increase in free time and decrease in gas prices have the most impact on their decision to camp this year. Let's face it, the millennials were very hard hit by the recession in 2008. And if you're not camping in a honking big motorhome like <laughs> we have, um, camping can be a very affordable way to travel and get out and see stuff. Yes, Makes I, sense. Yes, I think we absolutely agree with that. And if you'd like to read this whole report, <laughs> and believe it or not, I haven't even scratched the surface of it, uh, you might like to uh, visit our webpage. So I think maybe that's about all we have time for today. We are uh, on the road, and we will be giving you up- updates, and we hope that you visit our Google Plus page as well as read Martha's blog to keep up where the RV navigators are traveling. And I want to say that of the places that we are visiting on this trip, we have had a hard time deciding for sure whether to go to Vancouver Island and if to go, what to see, and how long to stay there. So if any of you have any personal experiences or advice you want to give us about this corner of the world, we would really appreciate it. And because we are having to put, of course, the motorhome on the ferry, which is costing 300 plus each way, we are deciding whether that actually is a cost-effective or... Uh, or you could just put the Jeep on and stay in hotels or B&Bs. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen. We're we, consternated. We want you to f- give us some feedback and stay tuned next month because you'll hear the final report as to what, whether we actually we did really go to Vancouver do. Island or not. <laughs> yeah, it's because we plan to be on the way home uh, by this time next month. Uh, so we will be home sometime in June this year. Hey. After Memorial Day. After Memorial Day. And we will be giving you a full report in the next RV Navigator. Until then, there is a very real possibility that you will be in a campground near us. And if you are, please stop by and say hi. You betcha. We have our sign on the back, so come and see us. Until then, happy camping. That's what I always say. Oh. (laughs) Until then... (laughs) You say bye for now, and I say happy travels. Bye for now. (laughs) 